0: And so, in keeping with the spirit of things this morning, <laughs> I'd like to invite you to do something else that's probably different. Uh, how many of you are familiar with the poet snap? Yeah, okay. So if you hear anything this morning that um, resonates with you, uh, feel free to be moved to snap. So today I'd like for us to ponder a question that the Unitarian Universalist minister, Reverend Kathleen Matigue, asked of us, what shall we do with this great gift of time? What changes do you want to see in your own life, in this congregation, and in the world? We live in times of trouble and great uncertainty as well as hope and abundance? How can we change the conditions that cause pain and suffering and injustices? How can we bring healing to life and to the environment on this earth? What shall we do with this great gift of time that we have been given? I constantly find inspiration and hope or better world from these words by James Baldwin, and you might too. And although Baldwin was speaking to a group of writers, his message has universal value. He said, and I quote, you write in order to change the world, knowing perfectly well that you probably can't. In some ways, Your aspirations and concern for a single person, in fact, do begin to change the world. The world changes according to the way people see it. And if you alter, even by a millimeter, the way a person looks at or people look at reality, then you can change it. End of quote. Baldwin was saying that we have the power to change the world if we change for the better what we and others do and see. Isn't this one of the reasons why we come to church? To change for the better the way that we see the world? We know what it's like to be in the company of people who care about us, care about each other, and care about the larger world. In fact, something magical happens every Sunday across the country and around the globe when people assemble to honor the sacred, the divine, that which is bigger than ourselves, the spirit of the life. There is something powerful in the collective, positive intention and action And we know it in our bodies and our souls. Yeah. And we return to it over and over again on Sundays. And it's not just because going to church is a good thing to do. Maybe we come here to find friends and community. Maybe we seek religious education, an inspiring message in the sermons, or the stirrings of good music. Maybe the church speaks to our passions for social justice. But whatever the reason, we return over and over again because our souls are nourished by the energy in the sacred space. And this energy is something that we cannot create on our own. There's a great deal of power in the power there's a great deal of power in the collective. A few years ago this power became more than an intellectual concept for me. It became a cornerstone of my personal beliefs. I'm a humanist with agnostic beliefs and as such prayer has not been much of a practice in my adult life. One day my sister suffered from pulmonary embolisms and she was rushed to the emergency room where she went into cardiac arrest. The doctors put her in a medically induced coma and it was out of our hands. There was little that we could do but wait and hope for the best. We're five siblings and a steady stream of family and friends formed around us, offering prayers and best wishes. Even strangers offered to pray for my sister by name, and we graciously accepted. Prayer circles started forming around the country in various cities where our family and friends were calling their friends and asking them to pray for my sister. And as the weekend approached, I was trying to decide Would it be best for me to go to my own church on Sunday, or should I go to the hospital chapel for quiet reflection, or stay near ICU in case her condition changed? Truly appreciating how many people were praying for my sister, I realized that there actually was something that I could do. I know a lot of Unitarian Universalist ministers all over the country, and I could ask them to pray. It was uncomfortable for me to do the asking, but I started writing to them on Facebook and by email to make the request. My message to them said, I believe in the power of collective thought and action. Will you ask your congregation to hold my sister and our family in love and prayer. Will you ask your church community to join us in sending positive healing thoughts her way? Three days later, my sister awoke from the coma with no pain and no memory of what had happened. The doctors of medicine took care of the physical body, but maybe prayer circles, congregations, family, and friends around the country provided a larger spiritual body of positive energy and support for Carlin's healing. She had a full recovery, and I had new insights and questions. The agnostic in me is open to possibilities. If we really do have a power beyond our comprehension, How do we tap into this power and use it to make changes? How do we use it to create more justice and peace? How can we bring more awareness, intention, and power into the ministry of our congregations? Are we operating at our capacity, or do we unknowingly limit our power to change ourselves and the world for the better. Scientists are working to measure the power of collective consciousness. Two scientists who are thought leaders in this new consciousness are Dr. Joe Dispenza and Dr. Amit Goswami. Dr. Dispenza wrote in his book entitled Being Supernatural that when they get enough experienced meditators in a room, Synchronizing their intention and elevating their emotional frequency, the meditators can unify their consciousness and create measurable changes of energy in the air. The power of this collective consciousness has been used in global peace experiments to reduce violence and crime. There have been a number of organized events with thousands of experienced meditators meditating to try to impact violence, and they have had success. The results from one of these events using transcendental meditation showed a 76% reduction in war deaths in Lebanon and reductions in other acts of violence. That is remarkable. It was so remarkable that the study was repeated seven times, each time with similar results. In 1993, 4,000 meditators assembled in Washington, D.C. over a number of weeks, and a 23% reduction in crime was measured. Dr. Amit Goswami's work is described in the video Quantum Activist," and he removes the division between science and spirituality by unifying the objective and the subjective realms or said another way, he unifies conceptually the material world of matter everything that we can touch and see, he unifies that with the private world of thoughts, feelings, and intuition. Now, there's far more than we can get into this morning, but imagine the world that you see as you move through your day. Now, what if everything that you see, all of the matter... Is actually surrounded by an ocean of information that cannot be seen. The ocean of information is full of possibilities and energy. What if all that we can see was actually created from this ocean of information? And what if our collective power is actually our ability to unify our intentions and our beliefs to the point that we can shift that energy in this great ocean of consciousness to the point that it begins to manifest our intentions? If this is possible, then we have to ask ourselves, What energy are we putting into the ocean of possibility? How much time do we spend on negative versus positive emotions? How often do we sync our positive intentions with others? And what if our fixation on the material world is actually an impediment To being able to to utilize more from this great ocean of information and possibility? What if we are just way, way out of balance? What if we're so fixated on the results that we have shortchanged our ability to create collective results? And what if there was so much positive, transformative energy emanated during the time leading up to the last midterm election that we collectively shifted the energy around us in beneficial ways that are beyond our consciousness? Yeah? So I ask you, how are you doing? And when someone asks you that question, are you answering it differently now than you did two years ago? I am. I had a real sense of foreboding when I spoke with congregations two years ago, probably yours too. But I notice now that there's a flow. Yes, things are still hard, and there are still challenges, but things are moving forward in absolutely amazing ways. There's so much synchronicity, and a lot of things are moving as though impediments are being lifted and the way is being cleared for greater cooperation and insights to be rooted in the day-to-day rhythms of our lives. Anybody else experiencing this? Or is it just me? My friends, I believe that we are witnessing the great turning. This term, the great turning, is used by Joanna Macy and David Corton. And Corton describes it as, and these are his words, the awakening of a higher level of human consciousness and a turn from an era of violence against people and nature to a new era of peace, justice, and environmental restoration. End of quote. To put the potential of this shift in human consciousness into perspective, Dr. Dispenza suggests that we teach this way of thinking and meditation in schools. Then, not only will we have millions more people who can draw from and contribute positive energy to the larger ocean of possibilities, but it will become a way of life the same way that technology is now a way of life for young people. Yeah? Yeah? This may be one of our greatest hopes for the future. I want us to borrow a page from Reverend Apal Davies, who is a legendary Unitarian Universalist minister and a former minister of my home congregation. And it was said that Reverend Davies had an uncanny ability to posit cracks in time, an uncanny ability to posit cracks in time. Well, I believe that this is one of those cracks in time for us. Diana Eck, the director of the Pluralism Project at Harvard University, was speaking to a group of Unitarian Universalists when she said, and I quote, If there ever were a time that we need to spin out a new fabric of belonging and a wider sense of we for the human community, it is certainly now. Developing a consciousness of our growing religious interrelatedness, developing a moral compass that will give us guidance in the years ahead, These are certainly among the most important tasks of our time. You have, she said, speaking to Unitarian Universalists, you have a theological orientation toward the oneness and mystery of God that is essential for the world of religious difference in which we live. You are, in my estimation, the church of the new millennium. In this era, Unitarian Universalism is not the lowest common denominator, but the highest common calling. You do have a mission. The world is in need of your theology. End of quote. Now is the time for us to amplify the values and the promise of Unitarian Universalist ministry through our passion for justice and inclusion, along with our understanding of people with many beliefs on one journey. So, how do we posit this crack in time? I can't answer the whole question, but we can prime ourselves to get ready for the answers this way. We can use the gift of time that we have been given to do more of the good that we already do. Now, my therapist friend said, but people might feel anxious if you ask them to do more. We're already doing so much. And I said, yes, they might. But what I'm asking is for us to become more conscious of our energy and to elevate our energy through positive emotions, positive intentions, and actions. Let's make it a spiritual practice, like karmic balance. When I become aware of the opportunity for creating karmic balance, which is always present, but when I become aware of it, I'll pick up the telephone to make a positive connection with someone, or I find some way to elevate the emotions for myself and someone around me. We can do more good things to create more good energy and connections that can neutralize or counterbalance the negative energy. And it can be enjoyable, too. You will benefit while being a part of the larger benefit here in this community and out in the world. So, take more time for stillness and silence. Get more deep sleep. (laughs) Keep our minds and bodies clear. Listen to more music. Laugh more. Plant more flowers in your garden. Don't you feel good when you drive down the street and see a colorful patch? Plant more flowers. Express your gratitude more. Show up more. Read more to nourish your mind. Connect more with those you know. Connect more with new people, too. Put out more that is positive and resist being inundated with negative energy. Do more justice work. Do more intergenerational work, a lot more intergenerational work. Whatever you do, be intentional about giving more. I'm not saying to wear yourself out. But if many of us give more, we will contribute to the positive flow of energy that can be a source of hope and that can help to change the world. And we can participate in that vision that James Baldwin helped us to see. If we give more and if we change, in his words again, the way that we see and people see reality, even by a millimeter, then we can change reality. End of quote. Have faith that the little changes matter and that collectively they are powerful. And I want to close with an example of the power of our collective positive intention and action to change the world. Recently, the most diverse group of legislators to ever serve this country were sworn into the House of Representatives and the 116th Congress. Yes. They are the most diverse in age, gender, race, sexual orientation, and religious affiliation, including three that are Unitarian Universalists. I don't know who they are. If you find out, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) And women have been a highlight of the story The energy of our collective consciousness is moving in a positive direction. Have hope. Don't give up. And with intention, we can help to create the environment for healing and transformation that we all so desperately want and need. So let our benediction today be a Leonard Cohen song that was recorded at All Souls Church in Washington, DC on the evening of the Women's March of January 2017. Was anyone there? Here, there, see, yeah. You're gonna reconnect today. And we celebrate the outcome of that March today. May we do our part to help the collective power of positive intention, and action, to bend the moral arc of the universe toward justice and wholeness. And as we extinguish the chalice today, let us go forward with hope and faith and use the gift of time that we have been given to do more, to make the world better by our care. Amen. And may it be so.